On this week's episode, it's part two of our fall movie preview. Last minute advice for the first full weekend in the NFL. And what's in a review score when it comes to the press these days? All this and more as we reach our next stop, the PCC Multiverse. Don't be alarmed. The quasi-shimmering light before you is a trans-dimensional gateway to other worlds, other voices, other thoughts, and other realities. Up feels like down, and down feels like the number seven on a Wednesday morning. Don't worry. That quivering, blood-boiling sensation under your eyebrows is all a part of the charm. Welcome to the PCC Multiverse. And we're back with another episode of the PCC Multiverse. My name is Gerald Glassford from Pop Culture Cosmos and Game Source. We truly appreciate you being part of every single broadcast that we do. But it wouldn't be a PCC multiverse without my good friend. He's the headmaster of the Topic Oculus podcast and everything going on to Humanica Media. You got to check out all the great stuff that's going on today at humanicamedia.com, on YouTube, on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and so much more. He's getting ready to teach some unsuspecting kids that are in for more than what they bargained for. It is my good friend, Josh Peterson. What's up, man? Oh, you know, just living that teacher life, you know, just making syllabuses, syllabi, I guess would be the proper term for that. And just, yeah, you know, man, you know how that goes. Getting ready to write down those Fs, getting practice on those Fs, F, F, F. It's all in the wrist. It's all on the wrist indeed. No need to write any of those A's, that's for sure. You're going to be one of those hardcore, hard teachers that just like, oh, that these kids will just just remember for the rest of their lives and not in a good way. But we've got a great show, like I said, indeed. We've got Chad with Hyperschmidt. He's got a great new song. And we're going to be playing that upcoming later on in the program. Also as well, Tyler Baker from the Fantasy Football Pater podcast, which is now exclusive on the Pop Culture Cosmos channel on all of our different podcast networks. He's going to stop by with some last minute thoughts before the first full weekend in the NFL. And also as well, we're going to be talking about review scores, how there's a couple sites that are changing their philosophy on review scores. And we're wondering if that is actually a good thing or not for the people that read their items out there. All this and a lot more. First off, before we go into our movie preview, if you haven't checked out our part one of our movie preview, that is on our previous Monday episode of the Pop Culture Cosmos. We've also got last week on the previous episode of the PCC Multiverse, an outstanding preview for video games for the entire rest of the year. That one's on there as well. But we're going to cover the last two months on this episode of the movies that are coming out in November and December. So we'll start off with November, my friend. That first week in November, which actually is going to be November the 2nd, we've got The Nutcracker and The Four Realms from Disney. We've got Nobody's Fool from Paramount and Bohemian Rhapsody, which is going to be a telling of the story of Freddie Mercury and Queen, how they got together, how they started, how they blossomed into the band that they did. Your thoughts on any of those movies coming that weekend because, yes, Bohemian Rhapsody may not garner a whole lot of money or box office initially, but it looks like it may be a great starring vehicle for later on, for down the road, for anything he's going to be doing around the road, and also a lot of Oscar preparation as well that could be in line for Remy Malek. 
of Mr. Robot. Right. Yeah, he's a Mr. Robot. You know, I've I've been reading a lot about Bohemian Rhapsody, and I I like the idea of it. There's not a lot of like rock and roll biopics out that are in theaters. You know, that are big budget films. Like we don't have a we don't have like a Rolling Stones movie or a um, you know a, a Beatles movie or anything like this. So this is kind of the first of its kind. So I'd love to see it succeed on some level, whether that be through theater revenue or even like on demand revenue. But you know, I'll tell you what, it's weird because I actually am slightly interested in seeing the Nutcracker in the Four Realms. And that might just be because I remember going to see it as a kid, seeing the musical with my grandparents. But I am slightly interested in seeing this movie, especially since it's it's a Disney movie, but it's not a reproduction of an already existing property. It's something new that they're doing. So I just I'm kind of curious to see what it is, how it does, how the perception is. What can Disney do with it's not an original, but a slightly non Disney property. So I'm interested. I'm fascinated, but I don't know if it's enough to go watch it in theaters. And that's something that someone brought up to me this week in regards to them making the comment when it came to the commercial that they saw for the Nutcracker and the Four Realms. And that is what's up with Disney and all these one-off movies that they're doing outside of the normal traditional Pixar movies, the normal traditional series of movies, whether it's Pirates of the Caribbean or whether it's even the now that you have to consider them in their Star Wars and Marvel movies, they have an interesting mix of movies that they try to get in there. This year, it's been Wrinkle in Time, Christopher Robin, and Nutcracker in the Four Realms. That individual was asking about what was going on with their mindset when they do that because they don't always profit from those movies. So your thoughts on why they keep going ahead and maybe throwing these darts out and taking chances when it comes to movies like Wrinkle in Time, Christopher Robin, and now Nutcracker in the Four Realms. I honestly, I feel like they're hoping something's going to take. It's weird to me because they kind of did that, you know, with Chronicles of Narnia, but then that series seemed to not be that important to them. And that's why they let it kind of fall to the wayside. But uh, apparently there's a new one coming out soon or it's in development. But that's a good question. It's a really great question. I, I think they're trying to strike gold on pieces of classic literature and you know, they're throwing as many coals in the fire as they can because people do talk like they and I'm sure they read the message boards or, they, you know, they know what people are saying about them and how people are know that Disney doesn't really have a lot of original IPs up their sleeves. But just just look at it like they're reproducing Aladdin, you know, live actions versions of Aladdin, Jungle Book, Mulan, so on and so forth. There's just there's not a lot of originality left in the think tank over there and i think they know that people are starting to realize that and that's why that's you know that's one thing that netflix does have above everyone else is that original content you know they have all of their ideas are original ips or their original concepts in some way they might be taken off of like a foreign show or something but they still have some form of originality to them whereas disney doesn't really have a lot of that so i think that they're trying to find that but they just haven't succeeded in doing it yet then we come up to November the 9th, and that's also a pretty interesting weekend as well with a movie that really didn't strike as well as they thought the first time came around. They're going to try and do it again. It is Dr. Seuss, A Story of the Grinch. Do you think this version is going to actually hit with audiences this time around? Because in the past with the Jim Carrey version, it didn't strike home with audiences as well as it should 
or at least as well as the original animated feature, which has been a long story hit for many years. Okay, so I guess I need to ask you this then. From what I understand, this is a prequel to that, though, is it not? It looks like it, at least from what I can tell from reading the synopsis and also as well with the trailer that's out with Benedict Cumberbatch in the lead role of the Grinch this time around. So for me, it still hasn't captured my attention. I actually, I was kind of enamored with the Jim Carrey one when it came around beforehand. And then it unfortunately came out, I will say it didn't bomb by that much of a stretch, but it certainly didn't reach the heights that I think a lot of people were hoping that it would be, especially for Jim Carrey, who was still hot at that time. So is it too soon to revisit the Grinch? It's been about 20 years since the previous iteration of the Grinch. So maybe it's time to go back into that well one more time because you know how Hollywood is with original ideas. That to me is just something that it's there, but coming right off the heels of the Nutcracker, that may prove to be a little bit problematic for Universal. The Grinch was weird. Let's let's be honest. You know, the, the Jim Carrey version of the Grinch, it was weird. It was super strange. Same thing the cat in the hat. Dr. Seuss is at a disadvantage with anything that is made regarding a Dr. Seuss property is going to be strange. And I think that we're not really in a place with movies right now where people are okay with that kind of thing. Like they don't want to really <laughs> take a risk on it. You said strange when it comes to a Benedict Cumberbatch ah, movie. Dr. Uh, strange. <laughs> that weekend, the movie that's coming out, uh, is not a movie that you're a big fan of that you were really hot under the collar about and that is the girl in the spider's web have you changed your mind at all about the picture because i know you were a big fan of the previous movie which was a girl with the dragon tattoo here's the thing i'm going to go see it and i'm a huge fan of the book but i'm not expecting anything out of it i'm not even expecting it to be the book i'm expecting it to be just something that exists in that universe and i'm going to hope for the best i don't have high hopes for it overlord which is also coming out on the night that one it's very unassuming if you watch the trailer you don't expect it to be what it is no no because it starts off as like this army pick they're world war ii battling the nazis and all of a sudden you know you see that one of those things that the nazis were known for was experimenting a lot of stuff so they take that and run with it jj abrams is tied to the project and it turns out it's going to be more like a zombie horror flick and to me it's something that is uh, you know it's different as far as a different type of zombie film but is it enough to capture the audience out there i'm not sure really in the month of november as i said it's really a stacked month a lot of movies have come out and I can see Overlord getting just trampled, especially without any really named stars to go along with it. So I think it's just going to be a, a movie that might get passed over. If it's rated very highly by horror fans and suspense fans and monster fans, it could be something that does very well on the back end when it hits home video. But I think in the theaters, yeah, I think it's just going to get trampled, at the, especially right in the middle of November. It's interesting. It looks cool. You know, like I said, it's a very unassuming film, but I don't think that, you know, especially in the holiday season with all these other movies coming out that people want to watch, I don't think it's a movie that people are going to be taking any chances on. So now we come to November 16th, and that's also a very big weekend for movies. I mean, November, you and I are going to be talking pretty much every episode about a major film coming out each and every week. 
the 16th of November is going to be no less different when it comes to Widows from director Steve McQueen. That could be a really good movie, especially when you're talking about Oscar candidates and things of that nature, because he has really done a great job with his movies over the years. Instant Family, that one looks to be kind of like a different kind of dramedy starring Mark Wahlberg. And I think at that point in time, we're really going to get a gauge of how far down the ladder Mark Wahlberg's career has gotten in such a short period of time. The movie choices that he's made of late have nearly not endeared himself to audiences, at least a large amount. Mile 22 didn't go that extra mile with audiences. And it looks like Instant Family, a story about adopting some kids and wildness that happens afterward as they try to mesh as a family. I don't know. Again, it could be one of those films that gets trampled under the weight of all these big films coming out. Because that same weekend, Fantastic Beasts, The Crimes of Grindelwald, comes out. And I know your attention and every Harry Potter fan's attention will be squarely fixed on that weekend as Fantastic Beasts, The Crimes of Grindelwald, and Jude Law really taking the reins as far as his role as Dumbledore. This movie is, I think, going to kind of solidify what's going to happen with the franchise going forward. Is it going to be... Because with Fantastic Beasts, there's uh, mixed reactions with that, right? So there's a, a big camp of people who liked it, big camp of people didn't like it, and another group of people were on the fence about it. But this going forward, I think, is going to decide the success of the franchise because basically they have this movie as their opportunity to set up the next three movies. And if they do it right, then it could keep the Harry Potter universe alive for some time to come. But if they do it wrong, then you know it's going to be interesting to see what they have up their sleeve in terms of fixing that and keeping people interested in a Harry Potter universe that doesn't feature Harry Potter. Exactly. I think it's going to be a prime weekend for the Harry Potter series as a whole. Harry Potter fans will support it initially, whether or not it's going to be able to be a success long term. But it does have a great shot at being the biggest movie of the latter half of 2018. It could be the movie that actually makes the most or garners the most because right now it's pretty much up for grabs with no Star Wars and no Marvel movie right there on the horizon. It could be a film like Fantastic Beasts, The Crimes of Grindelwald that could actually come out on top for the winter months of 2018. That next week, when it comes to the 21st, because they're starting a little bit earlier because of the Thanksgiving season, all these movies are coming out Wednesday the 21st, just before Thanksgiving. You've got the sequel to Creed, Creed 2, Green Book. That one might be something that a lot of people are pointing towards that could get a lot of Oscar consideration. Ralph Breaks the Internet from Disney. That one could be something that's really special as well. We don't know because the first one did okay. Will this one do a lot better? We don't know. There's a lot of questions in regards to that one. There's second act. That one is going to be coming out as a Jennifer Lopez, J-Lo type romantic comedy. Whether this is the right time for that type of movie, I'm not sure. I, I kind of have my doubts. I think it would fare better if it would have been a spring movie or a summer movie or even a late summer movie. But you know what? They wanted to bring it out when four other big movies are coming out that same weekend. And of course, we have another in the long line of Robin Hood movies, another rendition of Robin Hood. Your thoughts on that Wednesday just before Thanksgiving. If any of these movies are going to break out, is it going to be Ralph who breaks the internet? Or is it going to be something else? Could be Creed 2, which, which is the successor to a very 
well done movie and a very profitable movie for MGM as well. It was profitable, but was it really hyped up in the you know in the way that Rocky was? I don't remember. I no, it wasn't hyped up the way that Rocky was, but performed very well at the box office. It did more so on a critical standpoint because of the performances that were there that were truly outstanding. And going around at the same time again, will it have that same charm? I'm not sure. No, it looks good. I saw the trailers. Like I really liked the first one, and you know I. I am a, a fan of the cheesy Rocky films, but it, it's just one of those things, you know, how we always discuss, like, is there, uh, as far as like making sequels to a movie 30, 40 years later, is it going to catch fire like it did the first time? Or it's the same thing with like Blade Runner 2049. If they were to make a sequel to Blade Runner 2049, would it do better or worse than the one that came out, you know, last two years ago or whatever? So. I think it would do better because of the fact it's done so well on home video. In fact, it's one still, I believe, one of the top 10 best-selling DVDs and Blu-rays of this year. Well, good. Good for it. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad. But looking at all the other things that are coming out that day, like Wreck-It Ralph 2 obviously is going to do really well because the first one is something that people love. And the fact that it has, you know, all the Disney princesses acting non-princess like, like a lot of, I, know, I remember reading about that. A lot of people are making a big deal of that. But Cree 2, Ralph Breaks the Internet. For sure, Ralph is going to do well. Cree 2, I hope, does well. But what I'm really excited about is Robin Hood. And you know how I feel about these sword and sandal flicks. Like I'm oh boy, a huge fan of the ethics, man. You know, and we won't, we won't go into, uh, you know, our, our old disagreement, but Oh, uh, King Arthur, man. Oh, oh, man. Salt in the wound, man. But it looks like it could be entertaining. I'm not going into it with any expectations, but because I'm, I'm a huge fan of the Russell Crowe one that, just, that came out not too long ago. But I'm hoping but you that you just said it yourself not too long ago. Right, right. And that, you know, that's another thing. Like, did we really need another one right now? But there hasn't been any good, like, epics out for a while. So I'm hoping that Robin Hood might be something that could slake that thirst for right now well if leonardo dicaprio had actually been starring as robin hood i think it would have gotten a lot more interest but since he's only producing it that might be something that eh, people are just going to pass on by like i said it's on a weekend where there's going to be a lot of other competition not to mention from movies that are coming out earlier in the month that will still be doing strong at the box office so I don't know. We're going to have a fun time in the month of November talking about all these movies, how well they're doing, how well they're not doing. And we're just going to be having a lot of fun, I know, on those shows in November. So I can't wait for that. We'll talk more about a lot of great films coming up in December right after the break. This is the PCC Multiverse. Looking for an edge the next time you take on your favorite video game? Look no further than Vitabrace High Performance Gamer Wristbands. Packed with the power of fruit seed oil, Vitabrace is clinically proven to help improve performance, giving you a better gaming experience. Whether you're looking to beat the time on your latest speedrun, or are fighting your way to the top on your favorite multiplayer or battle royale game, Vitabrace can help you reach your gaming goals. Buy Vitabrace today at MiracleFruitOil.com. That's MiracleFruitOil.com. Vitabrace. Win with it. We're back with the show. It starts back up again, really, for movies in December on the 7th with The Silence. But that's the only wide release that's coming on the 7th. 
really doesn't get good again until the 14th. And I know this is going to be something that you're interested in, my friend, because on the 14th of December, Mortal Engines and Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, two movies I know you have talked about and are very interested in, especially when it comes to Spider-Man, because you're going to be playing the game this weekend. They're both coming to theaters on December the 14th. Mortal Engines is actually something that maybe people aren't aware of yet, but the fact that it has Peter Jackson from Lord of the Rings involved makes it very interesting indeed. This is kind of Peter Jackson's opportunity to show that he can do things with a franchise that isn't Lord of the Rings. And judging by the trailers, like it looked cool, but is it going to drag on like King Kong did? It, does he have the ability to produce something in a different world that is going to be appealing to people because the mortal engines is a book series so this is there's not just going to be one there's going to be multiple entries so is he going to be able to capture that magic that makes people want to keep going back to the book series or is it going to feel long and drawn out and just not too good you know like this is in his opportunity to show that he is still a relevant filmmaker and i i wish him the best honestly because i hope the movie's good That same weekend is Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. And for a comic book fan, this may be something that for all the superhero fans out there, should they be really getting into this animated feature? Or is this something that maybe they can just wait until Captain Marvel, which recently this week showed off pictures of some of the characters in there, including Captain Marvel himself. Should they wait for February for that? Or or is Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse really something that they should get excited over? I'm on the fence about it because I want it to be good and I like the idea of like the the Spider-Verse itself. I like Spider-Gwen and Miles Morales and Peter Parker having them all be on the same screen together. But Sony has, you know, if if they've shown anything like since Spider-Man went off into the MCU is that they have done an excellent job of just butchering the Spider-Man universe, just completely tearing it to shreds. This feels like a cash grab. Same thing with Venom. Same thing with the Silver Sable movies they're talking about. And they're talking about Craven the Hunter. Like It just feels like Sony is trying to create something, but they're just not doing it right. They're doing it for money, and they're not doing it for the sake of telling a good story. So I'm hoping that this is good, but I honestly, I'm not going to see it in theaters. I'm going to wait till it comes out on digital Blu-ray or whatever. But is that weird of me to think that? No, it isn't. But to me, it reminds me a lot of what Warner Brothers has done with the Batman animated films and trying to get them to cross over into a mainstream film audience. Even the best attempts by it, no, they haven't garnered the mass millions that Warner Brothers was hoping that they did. But the movies themselves have gone a long way when it comes to a home video marketplace. And I think that's where really these type of films go as far as the superhero animated films, they seem to find a home on smaller screens as opposed to larger ones a lot more. On the 19th, a movie that, again, is something that is, I I don't want to say it's a one-off, but it leads back into our previous conversation when it comes to Disney, as on the 19th of December, Mary Poppins Returns. This is something to me that's going to be very interesting to see how well it translates into a modern audience Is this going to be something that's going to strike well with audiences? We'll wait and see, but this could be a decent hit for them, but also could end up being like some of the other movies that have performed at a similar type of venture as well this year. When you talk about A Wrinkle in Time, Christopher Robin, all making right around that $100 million mark, but not really much more domestically, which is 
I don't know, in Disney's eyes, maybe not a hit, but not a total loss that they brought off either. On the 21st of December, that is also going to be a big weekend because it's the weekend before Christmas. And there's actually a few movies that are coming out on that day when it comes to Alita, Battle Angel, Aquaman, Bumblebee, Holmes and Watson, Welcome to Marwin. Now, a couple of those films will probably not be in the consideration or in the running for Oscars, but they are no less movies that people need to get excited over. I know we've talked at length about the prospects for Aquaman. I think they're pretty strong. Many others are more excited about Shazam. Your thoughts on that movie, but also as well, Alita Battle Angel and Bumblebee. Those are all action pictures, which are all going to try and hit at the same time and trying to reach the same type of audience. Which of these movies do you think is going to overcome the others and be the standout movie for Christmas of 2018? I think Aquaman is going to be the standout there. It looks good. And I trust James Wan as a filmmaker. I trust his vision. I think it kind of has the short end of the stick, though, as far as being in the DC universe and just because they haven't gotten great reception on the stuff that they've made. But this seems like it's a... You know, a more not I don't want to say comedic side of the DC universe, but it, it's it's a different type of hero than what they've portrayed so far. And granted, we get the the sarcastic loner a lot in modern film, but we just haven't seen that in the DC universe. And that might be what we need, you know, and Shazam looks good. But Aquaman will be what holds the series up for right now. So that looks good. Going to go see it. I think that's going to be the one that people are going to see I am excited about Alita Battle Angel because I feel like it's going to kind of scratch that Blade Runner itch, you know, for a bit. The thing that makes me sad about that is I feel like it's going to get the same treatment as like Ghost in the Shell did. You know, it's a based off a manga. People don't really know what it is. It's, It's unfamiliar to them. And I just feel like it's going to get snubbed, even though it has Robert Rodriguez directing. It's just an unknown, but it looks really cool. And I love the property that's based on. So I. I'm hoping that it does well, but it probably won't. Well, I know people were freaking out over her eyes that are in the, you know, the CG eyes that she has. And uh, I know a lot of people not upon its initial release of the first trailer, just going up in arms about that. But to me, I think that plays closer to the manga. Is that correct? Or is it something that they're just doing out of hand? But I, I think that's that she has large eyes, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, she does. I think it gives character to her. And it, it's not like... I don't think it's racist or whatever it is, but it, it just it gives her character because she's human, but she's not quite human. You know, of all things to make a big deal out of that was just not something that would be on the top of my list. And then Bumblebee, honestly, I, I have zero interest in watching Bumblebee. I don't think I do either. I know this is going to be another platform to try and get John Cena over as far as a major star. I know this would probably do well overseas because the Transformer movies have done well overseas in several different markets. In the United States, the Transformer series has kind of waned over the years and is in need of a reboot, maybe in about four or five years down the road. But doing this again after the last Transformers movies didn't perform so hot is kind of like, eh, not sure this was the wisest decision in the world, but we'll see how it plays out. The other two movies that are coming out that day are Holmes and Watson, which is going to be a spoof with the stepbrothers duo of Will Ferrell and John C. Riley, along with Ray Fiennes. 
seeing those two on screen usually means for a great time and a lot of great laughs. We'll see if that comes to pass when Holmes and Watson hits theaters on December 21st. But the movie I don't want people to forget about is Welcome to Marwin. It's directed by Robert Zemeckis. And this movie might be going under the radar now, but I think if it's anywhere near the quality of some of his best pictures, this could be really something special and could be a vehicle for Steve Carell as far as an Oscar nomination is concerned. Speaking of Oscar nominations, I want to actually get one more movie in there. It's going to actually, I believe, debut in L.A. and New York by Christmas, which I think is the requirements that you need to be Oscar contenders. But On the Basis of Sex is the last movie that will be going wide. It will go wide, actually, I think on the 26th. But it details the beginnings of Ruth Bader Ginsburg and her struggle and her fight to get to become a U.S. Supreme Court justice. It's going to tell, uh, I believe, a great, inspiring story. Will it be good enough to drive audiences in there in the month of January going forward and be something that a lot of people will also consider for Oscar contention? We'll have to wait and see, but that movie is getting a lot of people excited as well, especially because of the documentary on Ruth Bader Ginsburg has just been released on, and you know it's been on CNN, it's been in theaters, it's done pretty good for a documentary. And so a lot of people are excited about her story being told from a fictional standpoint as well. So that ends our preview of the movies for November and December. If you have any questions on any films that you're going to see, or if you want us to talk about any films, especially coming up in September, October, November, or December, Give us a shout out, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. Also as well, popculturecosmos, humanic media, and game source on Facebook and Twitter as well. Later on in the program, Tyler Baker from the Fantasy Football Pater podcast. He's going to stop by with some last minute thoughts before the first full weekend in the NFL. Josh and I will be on the back end. We'll be catching up on some of the pop culture stuff going on this weekend and our thoughts on review sites. But first, we've got our good friend, Chad and Hyperschmidt. This is Set You Free. And this is the PCC Multiverse. Don't you know that I died to set you free? Lay down my life to see you be. Without those chains around you I'm so glad I found you There's so much of my heart I want you to see darkness pass through now this light will never leave your feet now we'll go where others 
Listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos. Was A Quiet Place inspired by signs it comes at night in War for the Planet of the Apes? Was Ready Player One influenced by Avatar, Wreck It Ralph, and The Last Starfighter? Is a Hurricane Heist more influenced by Sharknado or Geostorm? These are the kinds of questions my guest co-hosts and I discuss on my podcast, Piecing It Together. Every week, we look at a new movie and try to figure out what other movies inspired it, whether it's the story, the character development, tone, or even use of music. Every movie was influenced by something that came before, and we want to figure out what. Check out Piecing It Together on your favorite podcast app or check us out on piecingpod.com. You can also follow us on social media at piecingpod. Piecing It Together is a part of the All Points West Podcast Network. And we're back with the show once again. This is Gerald coming right back at you here. Week one is now upon us. We've already had the first game, and boy, was that a snoozer, between <laughs> Philadelphia and Atlanta. My gosh, my numbers are already taking a toll already. But hey, it was ready. But I will tell you, we are good to go for the rest of the weekend in the first weekend of the NFL football scene. And who better to break it down with me with some of the major questions for fantasy owners before they really start to panic on that Sunday morning than my good friend. He is the guru of the Fantasy Football Pater podcast and also the Fantasy Football Pater podcast Facebook group. If you join it today, it's a great place to go to talk about any trades, any waiver wire acquisitions, mm -hmm. any lineup changes, and so much more. It is my good friend. It is... Mr. Tyler Baker, who I hope is not leading. I haven't checked my scores yet, but I hope he's not leading as of yet. <laughs> to give everybody an update, we're actually facing off against one another in week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm doing well, my friend. I'm, I'm so excited to see some football tonight. Now, being the first game of the season, <laughs> it's almost like they were trying to wake up, trying to get out of the preseason mode. Kind of a rough game tonight between the uh, Falcons and the Eagles, but football's back. It's not going to take long for these teams to really start hitting their stride. That's right. It's not going to take very long, but it did take at least one week for these two teams because they look pretty <laughs> bad out there, especially the gazillion dollar man, Matt Ryan. What was mm. that all about? You know what? I think that there was just some miscommunications. There were some opportunities missed, but 
you know what, the, the season's just getting started. These teams are, you know, getting used to football, real football, the speed of the game. And I certainly saw some some miscommunications between Julio Jones and Matt Ryan. And for the Falcons team, they really need to get that connection back. It was good to see Calvin Ridley on the field. I thought that they were going to get him the ball more. I did see some packages where he was in the game and it looked like Ryan looked to him, but just didn't see it. Tevin Coleman was a bigger part of the game plan than I thought maybe he was going to be tonight. But you have to understand that Falcons were going against a really good Philadelphia defense. That they were. Philadelphia is rated out in most leagues as one of the top three or four defenses out there. So it didn't come as a surprise to see them having such a hard matchup. And same thing goes for the Atlanta Falcons as well. Their defense played very strongly against, even if there was a couple injuries, still a fairly successful and a fairly potent Philadelphia offense. Mm-hmm. And it's and it's so much fun to watch the ageless wonder Darren Sproles doing what he does best. He's still quick. Yes, yes, he's still quick, still fast, still a very, very smart and savvy football player. And I'm so glad he's back for another season. I am as well. I thought that injury that he had that he sustained last year was going to be it, was going to be done for him. But he's such an outstanding player. He'll never get the acclaim that he deserves, I think, because he never was really given the amount of work I think he should have deserved over the course of his career, probably because of his size. Mm-hmm. But I think he could have had the talent. Well, he did have the talent, in my opinion, mm-hmm. to become a Hall of Famer. It just was, like I said, his size held him back in the eyes of probably a lot of individual people out there, coaches, players that might have kept him back from achieving all that I thought he could have achieved in the NFL which is kind of a shame because, like I said, talent-wise, I thought he was at times as almost good as anyone in the league from the running back position. Absolutely, but his talent would have probably been lost on a team that tried to run him out there every week as just a running back. He is such a weapon, and the way he was used in San Diego, the way he was used in New Orleans, and now in Philadelphia, when you have a player like that, there are some things that he can do and only he can do. And that's why you hear guys like Tyreek Cohen are compared to Darren Sproles. And when you see these smaller guys, they always compare him to Darren Sproles. Um, So Darren Sproles is just one of those unique talents. And it's there are things that only he can do on the football field. This is true. And there's also another running back that I want to talk to you about, which Mm. also has some unique talents, which not many other running backs have been able to live up to or can live up to at this point in time. And that is Le'Veon Bell of the Mm -hmm. Pittsburgh Steelers. Someone who I, you, and a lot of other individuals out there thought he was going to be and is a top three player from the running back position in the league for fantasy owners. I thought since this would be a contract year for him and that he was so mad with the situation with Pittsburgh, I thought he would come in, sign the begrudgingly the franchise tag Mm -hmm. and then go out and play the best ball of his life, play at an MVP level and go and get a sweet contract somewhere else. Unfortunately, it does not look like it's been playing out like that. In fact, as of this recording here, Thursday night, it appears that Le'Veon Bell may not even make the week one roster. Yeah, he's not going to play week one. I, I had 
limited reservations coming into this season because we saw this last season where he didn't want to sign his franchise tag and he comes in in the 11th hour plays and still had a great year and a lot of people myself included thought that it was going to play out in a similar fashion this season and even his teammates were expecting him to show up on Wednesday but he did not show up on Wednesday and that is not good Honestly, that's not good for fantasy, of course, but that's not good, in my opinion, for Le'Veon Bell or for the Pittsburgh Steelers, because now you have a situation where I believe he eventually is going to come back. I think it's going to be sooner rather than later. Yesterday, his agent kind of (laughs) took a hard stance, which that's what agents are supposed to do, is to put pressure on the team to give in to his demands. But it's at a point now where even when when Le'Veon Bell comes back, He's not going to be in football shape and the Pittsburgh Steelers are not going to be able to roll him out and give him 25 carries a game because he's going to be much more susceptible to injury at this point. And another huge detriment is that Le'Veon Bell's running style has a lot to do with the chemistry that he has with that offensive line. Le'Veon Bell has an absolutely unique running style in that he will go to the line of scrimmage, stop, wait for the hole to develop, and then hit it harder than anybody. But it's gotten to the point now where you have to, even though he's played with Pittsburgh for a long time and he knows he's offensive lineman, you still have to work on that chemistry. You still have to work on your timing to facilitate Le'Veon Bell's running style and he's missed all of training camp all of preseason and now going into the regular season he's not showing up so this is going to be a detriment to the team it's going to be a detriment to himself because you have to understand every single GM in the league is watching this situation every prospective team that he thought maybe he was going to sign with after he's done in Pittsburgh is looking at this situation And you have to wonder if general managers are going to be inclined to give that huge contract to a guy who's not showing up and playing. So this leads me to the question I want to ask you when it concerns fantasy football owners, my friend. And I'll just say this, it's kind of now an iffy situation for a lot of fantasy football owners that have Le'Veon Bell and now have to bench him. Mm -hmm. Or do they look to try and see if they can make a trade with someone because now is a time where a lot of people who maybe are trying to hit the panic button and say, you know what, I want to trade Le'Veon Bell because he, now he might miss two, three, four games. He also might injure himself. He now may be more susceptible to an injury. He now may be more susceptible to not having a successful season because he's now going into the season where most likely he's going to miss at least one, two, if not more games. Yeah, he's definitely going to miss week one. He could miss more games. And even when he comes back, I would expect him to be eased in. Now, if you have him on your fantasy team, in my opinion, you have to ride out the storm. You spent a top three pick on him. You just kind of have to wait and see. Maybe you went to the waiver wire and you picked up James Conner. That's a good pickup. And James Conner is certainly playable. But do not expect the type of production that you we're expecting from Le'Veon Bell from James Conner. It's just not going to be there. He's just not the same player, and he doesn't bring that same dynamic to the Pittsburgh Steelers offense. My advice and what I've done is I've tried to see if I could trade for him. And if you have depth at running back and you can kind of take a hit and you can trade away a player, I'm trying to trade Alex Collins, which is (laughs) in no way 
equal to Le'Veon Bell, but there is so much uncertainty that you could probably pull a trade and get him. And if Le'Veon Bell is on your team for the second half of the season, you run a really good chance of making it to the playoffs and winning a championship. You're just going to have to ride out the storm. It's going to be probably a month. Even if he comes back next week, it's going to be a couple weeks of not getting what you the type of production that you would expect from Le'Veon Bell. Once again, I'm on with Mr. Tyler Baker from the Fantasy Football Pater Podcast. Our full episodes of our conversations can be found at the Pop Culture Cosmos channel right now on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and over 30 different podcast networks. You'll find two, three episodes in full that are already up there already on the channel. So check that out. You can hear his thoughts in full on a number of various fantasy football related subjects. One last thing to ask you, my friend, before we head on out, because I know it's almost sleepy time for you, my friend, (laughs) there on the East Coast. I want to ask you, is there still for a lot of fantasy football owners some time to go ahead this weekend before the mass panic, just before it kick off the NFL week one, where most of the games are being played this coming Sunday? What final steps or what final piece of advice do I have from you in regards to last minute setups, things of that nature, mm-hmm. things you want to look over before you go ahead and finalize the rest of the roster that didn't play this Thursday night? Yeah, well, if you have any questions about your specific team, you can send us an email. You can get on the Facebook group, Fantasy Football Pater Podcast group, and ask questions about your specific team and your specific league. One thing that I'm seeing, and because I have a lot of people that send me their rosters, hey, what do you think? I'm seeing what I would consider to be a lot of wasted spots on your bench. The basic roster construction is quarterback, two running backs, two wide receivers, a flex, a tight end, and a a defense, and a kicker. I recommend having, in addition to your starting lineup, having a, a good backup running back, a good backup wide receiver. And what I'm seeing is I'm seeing a lot of rosters that have guys like LeGarrette Blunt on there. So you know, if you have a number four running back or number four wide receiver that you're never going to put in your lineup, I would recommend going and maybe taking a chance on some of these rookies out there. There's a couple rookie running backs in Indianapolis that could overtake Marlon Mack. There's Calvin Ridley. We didn't see much of him tonight, but some of these rookies, it's probably a good idea to get them on your roster because we're not going to have any bye weeks until week four and the bye weeks really aren't going to start hitting until week six, seven, eight, nine. So you have a couple weeks to kind of see if these rookies pan out, but if you're have guys on your roster that, I mean, Garrett Blunt's a great example. Could he get, you know, a couple touchdowns? Sure. But are you ever going to put him in your starting lineup? No. So look at your roster and always have a backup for your starters always. But if you have a roster spot or two, where you're just kind of stacked up at a position with guys that you're just never going to play, why don't you drop those guys and go get one of these rookies? And if you want to take a screenshot of maybe some guys are on your waiver wire and get on the Facebook group and let me take a look at it, then you have a much better chance of one of these rookies hitting and actually being a viable part of your team than to hold on to some of these players that are just never going to see your lineup. Once again, it is Tyler Baker from the Fantasy Football Pater Podcast. 
Full episodes of the Fantasy Football Pater podcast are now available on the Pop Culture Cosmos channel exclusively on Podbean, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and over 30 different podcast networks. My friend, normally <laughs> I would wish you good luck this weekend, but since you're playing me and it's already, I'm off to not the best of starts because Nelson Aguilar caught eight balls but managed to only get four mm. yards a, a catch. Which yeah. Really that great. I don't wish you the best of luck this weekend, but I wish everybody else the best of luck this weekend. But just know this, after Monday night, we will still be friends. Yes, yes, we will. Yes. Oh, Awesome indeed. Just glad to hear that. And there's no stabbing in the back here on the Pop Culture Cosmos. My friend, it's great to hear from you. Looking forward to a great weekend in the first full weekend in the NFL season. Just want to wish everyone the best, and hopefully we can get everyone out there to have a great time playing fantasy football this weekend. Yes, in our next podcast, after we get some games, after we begin to see how this season is unfolding, then we're going to have some good, solid advice, and the first couple weeks of the wave wire are going to be really important. So I'm looking forward to this Sunday watching some football, taking some notes, and Gerald, you and I will break it down for everybody the next time we meet. Absolutely. And that's one that is definitely going to have not only part of it on the Pop Culture Cosmos show on Monday, but also the Fantasy Football Pater podcast. Just so looking forward to it, my friend. Just like I'm looking forward to coming back and beating you this weekend. <laughs> Good luck. <laughs> Believe me, I need it. Thanks, my friends. Just so glad to have you be a part of the Pop Culture cosmos rob mccallum films is back with a vengeance power of grayskull the definitive history of he-man and the masters of the universe which chronicles the ultimate 80s billion dollar franchise masters of the universe see exclusive interviews and hear untold stories from the people responsible for creating the world of eternia a place full of magic and science and learn about the craft of creating action figures and animation power of grayskull is just one of our many projects at rob mccallum films if you're tired of sifting through flea markets for rare and unique games, we can help. Retro City Games in Henderson, Nevada, only five minutes from the Las Vegas Strip, has all your favorite gaming staples, classics, and a wide selection of rare games with new stuff always appearing on our shelves. Come in and chat with Nicole or Doug about your love of games and watch as they help you complete your collection or find your childhood favorite. And don't forget, Retro City Games loves trade-ins. So if you have any Nintendo, Super Nintendo, Sega, Xbox, PlayStation, or even PC games, come in and visit Retro City Games today. Welcome to the new metropolis of gaming, Retro City Games. And we're back to close out the show. This is the PCC Multiverse. I just want to thank Chad from Hyperschmidt and Tyler Baker from the Fantasy Football Pater Podcast. Also want to thank you listeners out there. We've gotten a lot of listens and a lot of plays over the course of the past month or so from a lot of great places, not only U.S., but Canada, Sweden, Australia, Lebanon, just to name a few. Want to thank all those listeners out there who take the time to check out all of our great programming because it doesn't go unnoticed nor unappreciated. If you do need a listing of where we're being played at or where we are at on podcasts or radio stations, just check us out today, Pop Culture Cosmos on Facebook, and you'll get our listings right there. My friend, you've got a great thing going on with Humanica Media. So tell me, man, what's going on with Humanica Media? 
you can check out my interview with Callum Reed of the melodic hardcore band Stasis, which is up now. And also this morning, I re-uploaded an episode of the Super BS cast, but rebranded as Topic Ocalypse, where I sit down and I interview Janemann Nordhagen, who we met at E3 a couple of years ago, and we were talking about his game, Where the Water Tastes Like Wine. I know a lot of things this year he has said when it comes to his game, that game right there that you were talking about. It's come up in the video game newswires over the course of 2018 because it did come out and it was met with kind of a, I don't know, kind of a different type reaction. So definitely your interview does play out. And you got to check that out. That's, that's again, Topic Ocalypse on Podbean and so many other great outlets. Also want to welcome one of our newest members of our syndication family, The Juice. That's right. Juice FM. Want to thank you so much for being a part of the pop culture cosmos scene. And thank you so much for playing our shows. We truly appreciate it and welcome that audience. Just cannot thank you enough for being part of the Juice FM schedule. And last but not least, before we hit our last subject, Salvador Villa from Mario Party Wars and I sat down this week and talked about his plans to honor the people that were unfortunately killed and injured in the terrible shooting last month at the Madden Video Game Tournament in Jacksonville. He is going to honor those individuals and also try and drive up funds for those families via his charity events that he's going to be holding here in Las Vegas, calling it Vegas Gamers Unite for Jacksonville. Most of those events are going to take place in the next couple of weeks. I know I'm planning something up with him, I believe, in correlation with our good friends at Retro City Games. So take a look for that on our Facebook page at Pop Culture Cosmos, also Game Source on Facebook, Humanica Media on Facebook, and Mario Party Wars on Facebook as well. We'll give you all the info and detail if you're in the Las Vegas area and are willing to be able to take some time to play some good games for a great cause, let us know. And then also, if you're able to contribute, hopefully you'll be able to go ahead and catch some of our streams and also some of the things that we're hoping in ways to contribute to those families as well. So on our way out, my friend, I just wanted to hit you up real quick on your thoughts on Polygon and other sites changing the way they do review scores. Polygon announced this week that they're getting rid of review scores and doing something called Polygon Recommends. Got my thumbs up there. Basically saying if they like it to a certain point that they'll go ahead, Polygon recommends putting like a stamp of approval. Your thoughts on them going in that direction I'm personally not a fan of it because I like review scores. I even have issues sometimes with our own review scores. Got to think the star system that we've utilized is sometimes a little too vague. I would love to go back to what we used to do with a one out of 10 scoring value to the 0.10, but I'll discuss that with you for our plans going on later on as far as our internet services are concerned. Do you like the fact that they're going to this type of format or Kotaku has done it as well? Or do you like the fact that scores give you a better indication of just how good a game is going to be. Is it something that you need right away or is it something that's good or is it something that's really not that good at all? Here's the thing with critic scores. I like to see how a game did, but usually those scores don't determine if I'm going to play the game. So I'll like, I'll watch the trailers and if there's a game that I'm hyped about, I'm going to go out and buy it regardless of what the critics are saying about it. After I played, I do like to go through and see what everyone said about it. I like to read the reviews. I like to listen to the podcast. I like to hear what the directors have to say about the reception and all that stuff. And it, it's weird because, you know, I was listening to a podcast and talking about this, the fact that 
Kotaku is actually changing the way that they review games and the fact that all these games coming out are being released as early access games. So how do you review an early access game? So they're reviewing stuff based on if it's out and is it playable? And it's not even if it's not a complete product, they're still going to be reviewing these things. It's just the nature of reviews in general is changing. And I well, I don't like the the Polygon recommends thing because everyone has different tastes in gaming. So I think that if you're going to say Polygon recommends, that's kind of hubris to assume that everyone else is going to like what you're peddling. But yeah, I like the one through 10 system because it kind of, you know, if you want to get particular and give it like a 9.8 and you have specific reasoning for that, like you can tell people that that's how you're feeling about it. But as far as like reviews go, I, I'm, I'm curious just how many people put weight on those. It's not helpful. A score helps. A score helps because it can be averaged and the average helps you know what the people thought about it as a whole and not just like hey, uh polygon recommended this oh we should definitely play it then you know there's no way to do the math and all that and that's kind of what gets me about this with metacritic and rotten tomatoes i get the fact that they want to differentiate themselves because they seem like they're just another review score on just another review pack and just another group of reviewers and reviews. But to me, it's those group of reviews that I usually start formulating opinion on whether or not I should go to this movie or whether or not I should check this movie out on home video or whether I should avoid it altogether or whether I should go ahead and buy this game or read this book or do anything when it comes to pop culture as far as entertainment wise, that's for sure. So. To me, it, it makes a lot of sense keeping review scores, but obviously for them, maybe they're just tired of it or just trying to avoid their score being looped in with a lot of others just on a Metacritic or aggregate site for review scores like that. So I, I can see their point of view as well. But for me, I enjoy review scores because it gives me a better idea exactly where I can or should be putting my money into when it comes to pop culture entertainment. What are your thoughts out there on review scores? Are you liking them? Are you digging them? Do you want them to always be a part of the way you evaluate pop culture entertainment? Share us your thoughts, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. Also as well, popculturecosmos, humanic media, and game source on Facebook and Twitter as well. So Josh, it's been a great episode. Got a lot more to talk about for our Monday show coming up, including the start of our preview for TV season coming up for the rest of this year. Cannot wait to talk that and a lot more. But any last thoughts for the weekend on the way out? It's going to be a good one, my friend, with the Nun, Peppermint, and the Spider-Man PlayStation 4 video game all coming out this weekend as well. I do plan on playing Spider-Man, so I'll have some comments on that probably next week sometime. So, yeah, just stay tuned. Plus, you also have the NBA games coming out. And, I like well, like I said, if you get a chance, check out our last week's episode of the PCC Multiverse because it gives you a rundown of this great weekend for video games and our movie episode from last Monday, which gives you an update on everything coming out in the movies as well. So for Josh Peterson, this is Gerald Glassford. It's another beautiful day in paradise right here in the PCC Multiverse. We thank you for listening. And here's hoping you have yourself. Oh, great. <laughs>